and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a well-known television personality on the podcast to talk about what it's really like to be The Bachelor and reveal some behind-the-scenes secrets of your favorite festive show. He is a former professional athlete, television personality, and the host of Holiday Baking Championship. It's Jesse Palmer. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. So good to see you again, my former ESPN colleague. How are things? I'm doing great. It's great seeing you too. And it, it's this is like a full circle moment, I feel like, because <laughs> you and I were like the two people I feel like that were always talking about food <laughs> back yes, in ESPN. Absolutely. 100%. You know, and people always ask me, you know, what I miss about ESPN. My answer is always the same. It is the people. Um, and, and I have to say, you were always one of the nicest analysts to work with. So I'm so happy for you and all of your successes right now. It's it's so amazing to watch. Thanks. I, I've been super lucky. I um, I don't know. I don't think you miss like you don't miss like the cafeteria at ESPN as much. <laughs> the flick chips, maybe the flick chips were by far the best thing there always. But I loved I used to love talking travel with you and food. So this is so great. And congratulations to you on everything you, you've been doing, too. It's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you've been a busy guy. We, we appreciate you taking the time. What, what does your travel schedule look like this time of year? Uh, it's busy because we're, we're in the middle of filming Bachelor and we're now, we're sort of, we, we've left Los Angeles. So we're, we're kind of in different countries and we're, we're shooting. And then on weekends, I have to go back to Bristol uh, to cover college <laughs> football. So it's, you know, it's sometimes hard to find that direct flight into Bradley. Bradley oh Herford. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> AKA there are only like five. <laughs> oh no, I know, and I feel like after COVID, they actually they, they took more flights away. So it, it's it's a little bit trickier to get back uh, get to get back to studio now. But that's kind of what it is. It's it's Bachelor on the during the week, and then it's College Football on the weekends, and then and then repeat. But I'm having a blast. It's been so much fun. Well, again, so much fun to watch you. And you are certainly the host with the most. We've got ESPN, as we mentioned, The Bachelor, and of course, Holiday Baking Championship, which we will talk about in a little bit. So, but I'm curious, now that you are the the new Bachelor host, is it is it easier being The Bachelor or hosting The Bachelor? Definitely hosting. There, there's, there's, you don't have to deal with any of the drama anymore. <laughs> you know, the, what, what, what I did back in 2004 was way more difficult than being on this side of the camera now as the host for sure. It's a lot. I yeah. sleep a lot. I sleep a lot better <laughs> doing this job. Yeah, you were the first professional athlete to be on The Bachelor, as you mentioned, in 2004. This was the earlier days of the franchise. How how can you sum up that that experience? Oh, it, well, it was wild. And I certainly was naive. I, I didn't fully understand or comprehend what I was getting myself into. That's for sure. But I think I've always been the kind of personality. I don't take myself too seriously, one. And two, I, I don't say no a lot, which I think isn't always good. But for this, I'm really happy I did say yes. It was an incredible experience for me. And, and unbeknownst to me at the time, it was going to open up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities later on in, in my career. Things that I, I never would have imagined or, or could have even comprehended at the time because I was playing in the NFL and I had my dream job. And it, it was such a unique and wild experience. And I think where the show and how much it's grown 
today versus where it was back when I did it almost 20 years ago, which is scary to say. Um, <laughs> it, it's pretty it's pretty amazing kind of what's what's happened and what's transpired in that time. It is pretty wild. I mean, why do you think that this show, The Bachelor, has had such staying power? I mean, it's still such a spectacle, still a pop culture phenomenon after all these years. What is it about this show that that people, you know, still love to watch? Well, it's obviously, you know, the show centers around fantasy, I think, in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's it's a love story. And, and obviously, there's all these exotic locations and destinations. I think people love that. I think at the end of the day, though, I think that the real magic, I think is the cast. I just think it's it's the people on the show trying to find love, going on the journey. And I think people at home either relate to them or they cheer for them and they get to see them now, not just on the show, but maybe they come back in paradise. And there's just, the, you know, the people at home, I think, can just sort of kind of lock in uh, to, to the cast who come from all, all different places and backgrounds, uh, but they're all searching for the same thing. I think at the end of the day, I think that's what's probably the most relatable thing to people at home. What, what do you think would surprise people at home just about the process of, of filming a show like that? Uh, probably the size of the production. It, it actually, that was probably the biggest shock to me. Um, I don't remember our production being as big when when I did it. Of course, I, I was only sort of privy to seeing so much of it. Now as the host, mm-hmm. I get to see everything. All of it. This show travels like 400 people uh, wow. all around the world. It's like a movie. It, it's it's just, it's incredible the manpower that goes into to making a show like this and all the men and women that have to put their lives on hold, um, literally, and to do it as often as they do, it's it it's a it's a force. The show takes months and months to film. There's thousands of hours of film that needs to get edited down into two hour versions each and every weekend. And all the, the men and women that that you know, I think that put the work into a show like this, it's it's really amazing. It really is a family environment. But I never had I never knew it was it was as big as it was. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, it, it kind of has come full circle for you in, in that arena and also opened up a lot of opportunities for you. But let's go back to, you know, your your original dream, your original passion, uh, which was football. And, and it seems like you kind of grew up as, as the perfect mashup of both of your parents because your dad was a football player. Your mom was a model. Did football feel like the clear path when you were growing up? Yeah, because I didn't get my mom's look, so it had to be dad. It, <laughs> it, it had to be football. It, it really was. You know, I fell in love with football uh, at a very young age. Um, I used to sneak into my parents' closet, and that's where my dad had all of his football pictures. Um, mm-hmm. He never. He, we didn't grow up in a house where there was all these shrines to my dad's career, like there was helmets <laughs> and jerseys being hung and framed all over the house. He had these little photos in his in their closet. And so as a They're kid, just I, shoved in a closet. Yeah, it was like you'd have to like get get through all the, the Canadian sweaters, the terrible like winter coats, and like kind of fight your way through there. And then there'd be like his like Calgary Stampeders like team photo. There'd be like an action shot in black and white of my dad. This like the, this big neck roll, old school face mask, and all bloody and bandaged up, chasing somebody. And uh, and I, I I used to just stare at those pictures. Um, and I remember I, I found his jerseys and I would like put his jerseys on. They'd be like way too big and I'd be dragging them <laughs> the sleeves all over the floor. Um, but that I think is sort of the genesis of what made me really want to play football. And that was kind of strange growing up in Canada where, of course, hockey is is the biggest thing. And all my friends were playing hockey and they were out skating all the time. And I hated hockey, but I, I just loved <laughs> football because of my dad. And that's I think that's where it, where it all began. I might have been, I don't know, five, six years old back 
you know, during that time. Did you, did you play hockey at all? I mean, is that, is it kind of required in Canada or did you just say like, no, I'm sticking with football. That's my focus. I feel bad saying this because they'll probably now revoke my passport. I can't, <laughs> I can't even skate very well. I think I'm like one of five Canadians in the world that just doesn't skate at all. I was a total fish out of water from that standpoint growing up. Like the sport that I loved so passionately was just sort of, it not, I don't want to say it was an afterthought because there's a ton of football fans in Canada. Sure. But it's just not a common, I don't think too, back then at least, there weren't that many kids that really wanted to grow up and do that. Mm-hmm. So don't like, yeah, like keep that skating thing just between us, by the way. Okay. I'm sure nobody. This isn't going to air in Canada, right? Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, so that said, was was going to college in the States then kind of always the plan? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I figured it out. It wasn't until about high school I sort of figured out if I wanted to play pros, I was in all likelihood going to have to try to get a scholarship and go to the States. Um, I remember in the ninth grade, my dad sent me, uh, he drove me to Jim Kelly's football camp in upstate New York at St. Bonaventure University <laughs> in Olean, New York. I'll never forget it. And we sort of drove down and, I, you know, it was one of those deals where you're going to be there for a couple of days. And I, I remember getting out and seeing all of the American kids. And there was all these like, they were all, they were all from Pennsylvania and Ohio. And every kid had a neck like that. It was like so much <laughs> bigger than my, I was like this skinny, scrawny kid who had never lifted a weight. And all these kids had been training and they'd been working out and their cleats were so much nicer than mine. And I remember that was like an aha moment where I thought, man, if I want to do this, I need to like get to the gym. I need to, I need to start taking this a lot more seriously because I am way behind the curve. That was sort of the moment where I knew, all right, it's time to go to work. And and so I did, uh, you know, I remember going back and, and I, I got really lucky. Obviously, I ended up going to the University of Florida, which was incredible. You know, it, it took a lot of work. And I'm, I'm glad I had that kind of shocking moment because I needed a wake up call. That. <laughs> and, then, and then you graduate with not one, but two degrees. Uh, you got selected by the Giants in the fourth round of the 2001 NFL draft. Uh, when you're, you know, kind of preparing all of your life for a moment like that, what does it feel like to finally hear your name called? That was amazing. It was emotional. I was with my family and it's just, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do since I was seven years old. I, I had 14 posters of quarterbacks in my bedroom <laughs> growing up. On the ceiling, I had a massive collage poster of Joe Montana. And oh, it, wow. it's, I, I just, I, I stared at it. I lived it. I breathed it. I ate football every single moment of my life. And I had a lot of people growing up tell me that it was impossible and I was wasting my time. And so when I, when I got my name called, it was really was the realization of a dream. And it was, it was celebratory, not just because of me and the journey, but because of the people, all the people that helped me reach it. It was sort of a, it was an opportunity for us all to sort of come together. And my dad was my coach from a kid up until I got to Florida. So, I mean, we, 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 uh, we shared a lot of tears that day, but there were tears of joy. It was just, mm-hmm. it was um, an, an amazing, amazing moment. It really was. It was, it was just magical. When you're in that moment, is it something that you are able to really grasp at the time? Or was it just like the excitement of everything kind of taking over? It was the excitement of everything. And I couldn't grasp it. You know, it's amazing. One of the best things that ever happened to me in my life was getting drafted by the New York Giants because I was going to a city that would change my life. 
the NFL draft is unique in the sense that you have no control over who drafts you, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to end up going to play in a city and your life's going to go that way. And if if we think about our life as like a path and if there's forks in the road and then something happens and and all of a sudden now you go down this way. I mean, I never really played the woulda, coulda, shoulda game, but I almost got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs twice. I was okay. on the phone with them twice before the Giants picked me. And sometimes I wonder what, what would have happened in my life had I had gone to Kansas City instead. I love Kansas City and I love barbecue mm-hmm. and I love burnt, burnt tips and burnt ends. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I would have – who knows? Maybe I'd still be in the NFL. But, but, but I don't know. It's like it's, – but maybe, you know, things happen for a reason. And so in the moment when I got, when I got picked, I didn't know the New York Giants were going to draft me. That was kind of a surprise. And – Lo and behold, years and years later, all, all this other stuff has happened. And I'm just so thankful that, that the Giants did take a chance on it. What, what was it like, you know, to to move to New York City and, and live here, you know, at such a young age when you're also, you know, kind of up and coming in the NFL as well? I was petrified of the city. I actually didn't <laughs> step foot in it for a year. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I lived in a place <laughs> called Secaucus, New Jersey <laughs> for, yep. for like one year. I remember once I went, I, I drove in the city with two of my teammates and I did like the dumb, the dumb tourist thing. Like I went in through the Lincoln tunnel at like on a, I don't know, it was like a Friday, Friday at afternoon. Five. <laughs> and I, I like ended up in Times Square and Jamie, you could not draw a better traffic jam. Like you could not, you could not scribble one. And I remember being in the city and the noise and the buildings and the lights and I was so overwhelmed and so, so scared. I grew up in this little town in Nepean, Ontario. I went to Gainesville, Florida for school. I'd never been <laughs> in a city like that. I, I had. And it took me a year to sort of get over my fear. And then I, I, and then, and then I loved the city and then I couldn't get out of the city. And then I moved to Hoboken, <laughs> which was like right on the water. And for four years, five years, I was going in the city almost every day. But, but in the beginning, I remember I was just staying out in like, we were all hanging out in like in, in New Jersey as much as possible because <laughs> we were all just trying to stay out of the the chaos and the traffic jams. I, I'm sure your coaches were appreciative that uh, you hadn't discovered the the New York City li- nightlife uh, uh, in that first year. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's so interesting, um, you know, to talk to like ex athletes that have made that transition into media because one of the things I, I hear from, you know, executives and, and, and producers and that kind of thing is that you guys are so coachable because you're so, you know, used to taking that direction and, and, you know, applying it, you know, to your next play or in this case, your next, you know, TV sh- appearance or TV show. So do you have like skills and qualities that you developed over the course of your football career that you think kind of help you out, you know, today during your, your TV pursuits? I, I think, you know, I was lucky. Obviously I played at a big, a big program at the university of Florida where there was a lot of media exposure. So I spent a lot of time in front of the camera there, obviously with the New York giants, there's, there's no bigger media market in the country there for sports. So that was also very, very helpful. And it's funny, you know, I, I think working at ESPN um, and, and live TV and, and live events, I think for us mm-hmm. it is really, really important because it, we have to learn to be quick on our feet. Yeah, you, you just you have to be able to pivot, and and when you're filming these other shows, whether it's Food Network or The Bachelor, when I was on Good Morning America, any of these other things I've done, it's just you can sort of be there live in the moment, and you can sort of go wherever it goes. So I think all of those things I think really helped me for for what I'm doing now hosting. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I say that all the time, too. I think doing live TV, especially like live sports TV kind of yeah. prepares you for any other TV that you would ever do because you don't get to do it over. <laughs> you know, you have to be, you have to nail it that first time, right? That's you right. can't be like, be like, oh, stop, let's do a take two. <laughs> That's so, it's so true. You just got to power through. That's what we kind of learn. It's like, it's like playing football too. It's like sure. play the next play mentality. If you throw an interception, can't do anything about it. You just got to play the next play. And, and move on. And if so, when you're when you're doing live TV, I remember watching you on Sports Center. What you guys, what you guys were doing to me is is just incredible. <laughs> I mean, literally, you're talking about 17 different sports. You're interviewing 19 different people, and you, and you just have to keep going. And the chemistry you have to have uh, together at the desk with your co-anchor is just amazing. Like what you guys, that, that really is one of, one of the most impressive and most difficult jobs that I don't think people at home because you're so good at because like you're so good at it. People oh, think it's thank easy. You. It's true. Yeah, that's like, true. Because you, you, you make it look easy. You do. But people <laughs> like me that like, we come on the set and you're like, oh my God. Like it's really, it, it's people, like people would have aneurysms if they just came off the street and tried to do that job. It's so <laughs> well, it's, difficult. Especially like uh, people are just like flabbergasted when I explain like, oh yeah, there's people, you have like multiple people talking in your ear. You might have a producer and a director or like the like while you're talking and like that just blows people's minds. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're like, you're interviewing Dak Prescott and trying to like, yeah. you, you have to pay attention to what he's saying. So you can ask the follow-up question or, or go off script. If something kind of comes really, it's like being on a unicycle. You guys are just juggling all the time on a unicycle. <laughs> Essentially that's the analogy I think to what you guys do. I love that. Um, I mean, all of that said, do you think that the, you know, the transition to a broadcast career after you retired from football was, was that kind of just like the natural next step for you? For me? Yeah. I mean, I, obviously I loved football and, and that was really my wheelhouse. So I got super lucky when, when I got my opportunity at ESPN to cover college football, that was really, that was like a dream come true. I didn't, I didn't study for it in school. You were mentioning I got two degrees, not in that. Got, Not in broadcasting. Know, no, I was like marketing with a minor in education and I got a certificate of international relations with a degree in political science. So I was like going to be like an ambassador for Canada somewhere. Oh, but okay. I thought that's kind of what I was thinking. Like I speak French and I was like, I could, I could live in London or Paris or Rome. You know, it, it, TV sort of found me after doing that, after doing the bachelor and, you know, after I played football, I got really, really lucky with that. And so I, I really, you know, when I landed at ESPN, I just, I really felt like I was home. That that really mm-hmm. felt natural for me. Was there anything about, you know, doing that job that you kind of had to learn the hard way? Do you like remember any like first blunders or or mistakes or anything like that? Um no, I I, I kind of just went into it and just just tried to be myself. I, I I've always sort of been someone that doesn't go overboard when it comes to like asking everybody else for their advice. Just because mm-hmm. I think I think sometimes it has to be organic to you, and you really have to own it and kind of find your own path. And, and like and like you mentioned, you got to sort of make your own mistakes along the way. Which, by the way, I've, obviously I've made millions of. <laughs> you know, in, in in my 16 years there, I've just always tried to be true to myself. I guess. Did you ever watch like you know like you would in in football? Like, did you ever like watch watch yourself back, or or did you like? Because I always I, I I struggle with that because I you know you obviously want to get better you want to see what you could improve on but I also hate watching myself. I'm TV. like you. I hate watching myself. <laughs> I hate that I can see myself right now. And it's, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just like you. It's so true too. I remember playing football. And I would throw a touchdown pass in the game. And in the moment, I, I would be thinking to myself, 
I know that looked so sweet. Like that was, uh, that was like John Elway when I just did. That was amazing. And then I would watch it. I'd watch it in film session and be like, eh, it kind of really wasn't great at all. It was kind of just a very yeah. normal throw. Which is <laughs> very <laughs> average. Yeah. It's never as good as you think it is, which I'm sure I am on TV as well. I well, hate watching I, myself. No, it's that's a I I give that piece of advice to anybody that coming up that that asks me. Um, you know, it's like you're never as good as you remember, and you're never as bad. It's like never like if it feels like super terrible and cringy at the time, you watch it back and you're like, all right, it was bad, but like not that bad. But the so same thing true. with like you, you thinking like, oh, I really nailed that intro, and then you watch it back and you're like, it was all right. Like yeah. it was just, it was I, just I, kind I, of I okay. Like I sound like I'm reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just like, oh like, man, that I didn't wasn't conversational it. at all. I'm a yeah. terrible host. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the problem. You're, that's exactly the problem. Oh uh, no, um, I'm curious uh, where food kind of came in for you and and your love and your passion for that. I mean, was that something that you guys like cooked a lot growing up, or you just kind of um, you know found it as you were traveling more and more for yeah. football, football and work? Mom was an amazing cook. Growing up in Canada, uh, I had friends that came from all over the world. One of the best things about Canada is so diverse. It's so multicultural. Mm. So I was eating Indian food at my best friend's house. And then I was going to my Somalian friend's house and eating that cuisine. And then my Russian friend's house. Uh, Every every week, I was trying all different types of food. So my palate was pretty expanded as as a young kid. And and my mom was was an amazing cook who, who liked to cook foods from different places. And then New York City. You know, mm-hmm. when I got drafted there and I finally got over my fear of the city, I finally got <laughs> in and started eating out at all these incredible restaurants and then travel. It was 2003 was the first time. I remember uh, Kerry Collins was was our quarterback and he was his locker was right beside mine and we we're in the locker room. He looked at me and he said, dude, you know what you need to do this offseason? You should just get on a plane and go to Europe for a month by yourself. Mm. I was by myself. He said, just go by yourself, man, and just take trains and planes and just, just go see it, man, because it's amazing. And so I did. In 2003, I wow. went for 31 days by myself and I toured like, did a giant circle all throughout Europe. It was, it was nuts. I learned how to snowboard. Uh, I got kicked off a train uh, for, not ha- <laughs> for not having the right documentation in, in uh, the Czech Republic. It was wild. It was insane. But, but I, I, again, I was eating my way through. Yeah. And I ate some crazy stuff, stuff that like, I was ordering things. I had no idea what they were. And, and I was so happy. And it, it, totally sparked the bug in me to, to now I, I travel all the time. And, and uh, that, that's a very long winded answer for your question about no. how I got into food, but that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it happened. It was, and it was no. from a very young age through New York city and then to traveling. And now I can't get enough of it. Yeah, no, I, I love, no, I love hearing that. Um, I feel like I was kind of the same way. I studied abroad in college and, and definitely like got hit you know, bit by the the travel and and food bug. I mean, do you remember any specific dishes you had during that month long trip that like you still think about to this day? Yeah, I, I ate the intestine of a cow, and I wasn't. Okay. I didn't know I was doing that, and and I but I ate it, and you liked and it. I, I I mean, I didn't love it. Um, it's just, but it's sort of this, this memory that I always have. I, I've got a pretty good pain threshold for football. Like I, I took a lot of big hits in my life, and I've like broken <laughs> things, and I kept playing and. But I also I also have like a bad taste threshold. Okay, like I, I can I can get through a lot of kind of weird stuff, no problem. <laughs> uh, it's not like not quite like Andrew Zimmer bizarre foods, but it's like close yeah. close to that. Okay, and so the the intestine was was memorable. Also, there was a cat uh, sitting on the table with me, like <laughs> watching me eat the intestine. 
Yeah, like looking for leftovers. <laughs> he was like, yeah. what are you doing? And like, let me help you. That was, that was kind of what, what, what was happening there. Yeah, that was I, – I, I ate like fermented shark. I, I was eating a lot of stuff that was pretty hardcore. But it was wow. – but again, like I'm kind of, I ate puffin. Okay. It's a red – a lot of people don't know. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. a very cute bird. Obviously, very dark red meat. Yes. All yeah. right. Yeah. Wow. So the, you yeah. really you really went for it. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did. I've refined my I've refined my experiences later in life now. But yes, at, at the time I was. I told you in the beginning. I don't say no. Yeah. Very often. You're like I, I, I'm like sure. Yeah, I'll try it. And, and sometimes you regret it, but but at least I don't have FOMO now. I know. Yeah. I mean, what a great piece of advice from from Carrie Collins to just be like, just go to Europe, did. and and you did. Yeah. That's, that's so I cool. I, I what don't about- know if you thought I was going to come home, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I made my flight. Coming up next, Jesse talks about his favorite dishes from growing up in Canada and gives us the behind the scenes scoop on Holiday Baking Championship. What what about like Canadian foods? Are there are there signature, you know, foods from Canada um, yes. that kind of, you know, feel just very comforting to you that that you like to have around the holidays or anything like that? You, I know you know. Um, <laughs> most people that go up there get it, but it's not always the best. You, you have to be careful how you do it. Poutine is really, the, to me, is like the first thing. And it's yeah. like when, when I think of poutine, I think of like cold winters in growing up in Ottawa or Montreal. And mm-hmm. you just get, you get the fries and you have to have the right squeaky cheese curds and the yep. gravy. And it's just super comforting. <laughs> there's a lot of really bad puts in out there too, though. So <laughs> like there's a lot of, there's a lot of posers in the world that say they do it, but it's really not the real thing. Um, great poutine is not expensive. Great poutine just has to be the right fries, the right cheese, and the right gravy mix. Uh, Nanaimo bars out west in Vancouver is another one. Oh, uh, yes. I have. Well, I haven't had them. And um, actually, I have a really good friend. We, I, my boyfriend and I took a actually a little road trip through um, through Canada this summer, and and she was like, "You have to have the Nanaimo bars," and then we didn't, and she was like so disappointed at us, and I felt so bad. It's it's <laughs> like it's, what it's, are it's they? Thing. It's like a cho- it's like chocolate ganache on top, and then it's like covered in there's some coconut coconut flakes in it on top of like a brownie, but you, but you keep it cold. You freeze it mm. or you leave it in the fridge and then you just cut little squares of it. It's super decadent and super rich. And my mom used to make them growing up, so I, I would like I used to house those things. Like I go and get one. Thirty minutes later, kind of find my way. She'd have to hide them from my brothers and I because it was it, they were incredible. And uh, sometimes. On the baking, sh- like on holiday baking championships, someone will that that knows about him will do something very similar to the bar. And like I'm at I'm at the the judges table now, getting to taste everything, and I get so excited. And I know <laughs> I know Duff, Nancy, and Carla know what they are, but I'm like, oh my god, the Nanimo bars! This is so great. So that that's another thing I would say. People going to Canada absolutely have to try. Is that like an all year thing or is it more prevalent around the holidays? No, no, no. It's, it's good. You can get them and, <laughs> and you can find them at, at most bakeries will have them, um, grocery stores. 
like mom and pop, sh- like 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 small business bakeries. Like you get, like there's like like people sell lemonade on the corner. People sell Monomo bars sometimes. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> like little kids just, like yeah, having <laughs> pick one up. Yeah, like on your school, wrap it, wrap it in plastic. Yeah, it's good. It's a lot of. I'm telling you, it's super. It's really decadent and sweet. A lot of sugar. It's a sugar bomb, <laughs> but man, it is so good because the textures are all different too. So you get like the, the gooeyness and like the, the squishiness of, of some of what's in the middle with the coconut and the chocolate. But then that that like cold, hard ganache, the top mm. is like that first layer that you sort of crunch. And usually it's it's soft on top, hard on the bottom. And by the way, people with Nanaimo bars too, like there's a – people have theories on how you should eat. Like you could flip them upside down to the soft parts on top. Ah. It, it depends on kind of like how do you like your texture when you bite. Yeah, I actually kind of like how it's like harder on the top and then it gets softer as you go. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like a it's a weird thing. It's like a texture thing, but it happens. All right. Well, next time I go up there, I will I will definitely seek it out. Um, but you mentioned Holiday Baking Championship, and I definitely want to talk to you about that. And I love that you host this show and have for a while because it, it is a very you know. There's a sporty competitive parallel, I think. Um, I'm sure this one smells a little bit better than, you know, your your football days. Um, what is it like being on the floor in the middle of the action during some of these challenges? It's pretty chaotic. Uh, the, the kitchen is in a pretty incredible setup. Um, there's a lot of chaos happening. I mean, we're, we're giving our competitors crazy challenges that, mm. that Duff Goldman has admitted if he had to do, he wouldn't be able to get, get done in time. I mean, we're, we're really? essentially asking them to do some impossible things. And it's amazing what the, what these people can come up with, how creative they are, how they can execute, how they can do it under pressure. Um, I mean, we, we, we say it's hot in the kitchen. It really is. There's people just sprinting. They're running into each other. You're trying not to like – you're trying not to have your cake fall over. You're trying not – all these different things come out. And it's it's just remarkable. And it's it's so fun, I think, for me to be like, – I just like being around passionate people. They love yeah. what they're doing. And what's great about what's great about Holiday Baking Championship, first off, it's around the holidays, which is like the best time of the year. So everyone's in a great mood. Um, but they're doing what they love to do. And for me to kind of to get to interact with them, and I really sort of see myself as like a cheerleader. That's probably my biggest role there. I just want everybody to to feel good and, and to make things that they love and and to enjoy the experience because it is super stressful. Like mm. that's that's like I know some of that comes across when people are watching, but to actually be there and and to see it and to hear it and smell it, like it's it's pretty wild what's going on in there. In terms of your hosting duties for the show, what do you like? What about it is unique um, to this arena versus you know some of the other things that we've talked about? Yeah, I, I think you wear a lot of different hats on that show too because you're obviously you're 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 the host, you're telling them the rules, and you're setting up the, the challenges for them. Um, you're sort of, you're checking in with them and interviewing them and, and, and kind of learning about, learning about them. And I think you're storytelling a little bit too, because they all have their own backgrounds and, and their love of baking. And you're, you're trying to help, you know, translate and get that story across to viewers at home too. And like I was saying, you're sometimes being a therapist, things aren't going great. You have to really help. You have to help them out. Or if they had like a pre-bake, the preheat challenge didn't go as well and they got some constructive criticism. Sometimes they get down themselves and you have to kind of lift them back up to get them going in the main heat challenge. And then, um, and like I said, cheerleading and you're really, really trying to make them, make them believe uh, in themselves and, and try to support them because it means a lot to them and, and there's a lot on the line. And so I, I think as the host of that show, you just, you end up wearing a lot of different hats. 
Yeah. And, and it's so festive that the set you're, you're working with, you know, Carla Hall, Duff Goldman, Nancy Fuller. What what is it like being just uh, on set in a kitchen uh, with all of those personalities? It's a, it's amazing because they all have huge personalities, but they're all they're, they all genuinely like each other, too, which which, mm-hmm. yeah, as you know, like whenever you're doing a show, when you're working with people that genuinely like each other, you don't have to fake it. You don't have to act um, and try to come across something that's that's not organic and not real. And so with them, I mean, in the makeup room, all the way to the set, to, to our, our kind of our, our holding area before we, we go out on set, it's just everyone's talking. Uh, Duff brings his baby to, to the set. I mean, <laughs> Car- Car- Carla bakes and, and she she brings her biscuits. Carla's biscuits are uh. amazing. I'm so, and so jealous. She'll, she'll surprise us with those sometimes. And, and Nancy's just got so many funny stories. She's, she's always cracking us up. So it really is. It, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work when we're out there together. We're just like more, more often than not, the producer has to get in our ear and tell us to stop joking and just be serious and like <laughs> judge the food and like actually talk to the, to the bakers because it, it's just like a, it's such a great natural camaraderie, I think out on set. Yeah, no, it seems like that. I, I think that that really comes across as well. And I think, um, you know, it's nice that there's a lot of holidays involved in this show. You've got Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa. What what have you learned about different cultural celebrations and foods and traditions uh, throughout the the course of hosting this a show? A lot of that Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, you just mentioned a couple of them there, these last, these last couple of seasons. It has been really eye-opening. It's been really cool to kind of learn about these traditions and the history behind them, the foods that they eat. Um, and, and also, I think we're educating our bakers as well. And I think we're educating people at home too on all of that. So I think we're, it's, it, there's always learning moments. It's really cool when we'll have a baker and they'll make something that the judges maybe have never tried before. And it's awesome to see people like Carla and Duff and Nancy who have tried so many different things throughout their lives and, mm-hmm. and have so much knowledge of food when they're, when they're sort of being taught also. It's, it's really awesome. It's really neat. I know it's something that they're very appreciative on the show as well, because I think we're always learning. Everybody's always learning. The bakers, the judges and the host, it, all of us. It's really, really great. And you do get to, to taste stuff now, right? Like you, you get to be part of the, the judging process. Jamie, after years, <laughs> after years of, of petitioning, I finally have gotten a seat at the table and I'm allowed now to taste everything. It used to be, it, it was the judges at their table and I had to stand on the end. Okay. You know, and they would get, they would be brought all this delicious looking food and I'd have to just sit there. It was torture. <laughs> I just sit there and I'd be like looking down the table and they're all just there. And you can see it on their faces that they're biting into things. Oh, this is amazing. And Nancy, and people might remember this, Nancy and I kind of created like an alliance and, <laughs> and where she was at the end closest to me. And if something was really good, Nancy would, she would, she would look at, she would look sideways at me and she would give me the look like. You I'm going to save you this. some. And she would, she, she would take a little bite with her, with her spoon or her fork. And she would actually like spoon feed me. <laughs> I'd, just be, I'd be like standing there being spoon fed like a little kid. And Nancy was always right. She would only give me the stuff that was delicious though. Um, okay. And now the last couple of seasons, I've gotten to actually sit down at a table. And so I get, I get to eat everything. And I'm so happy. That's amazing. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. It's the best part. Tasting is the best part. Did you, I mean, you, you actually did have to like kind of ask and petition for this. Oh, totally. I was like, what? Well, first off, cause I'm like, dude, I'm standing for like four hours in these dress shoes. Like I'm dying. <laughs> I can't even get a chair. I'm like, but, but like, it's not fair. Like I know I'm, and I'm not judging anything and I'm not, you know, that, that is their job. 
but I just want to taste. Otherwise, I was going to start like, I was going to be like poking Nancy and being like, <laughs> you know, because I would have just, I would have found a way to do it anyway to, to get a taste in because it's it, like, again, the food is so incredibly delicious. Whether these people work at a professional, ba- like whether they're, they're professional bakers and they, they have their own bakeries or they're, they're teachers working at a culinary institute or they're, they're, they're at home, they're just at home bakers mm-hmm. that, that are not professionally trained. The, the, what they make is amazing. Some of the stuff is like ridiculous. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, 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 I, the judges, and, and I don't like, I hope I'm not getting anybody in trouble. We have judges and a host who sometimes will take the desserts home to our to our hotel rooms. Not <laughs> we we won't tell the bakers we're doing it, but when the baker leaves the room, you know, like we'll we'll say thanks so much, and then we dismiss them, and then they walk out. We'll actually get in our ear and say, "Hey, you, you need to put like after you get you get done taking the beauty shots of that cake or of that pie or whatever they made, you got to wrap some because we're all taking it home." <laughs> It's I like, love I'm that. Telling at you, least you're not amazing. wasting it, you know. No, exactly. No, we're like we'll we'll and we'll say to like the whole crew, we'll, we'll we'll give them their chance. Like everybody, you have got to try this. And if there's no takers, going once, going twice, sold. It's coming back to my hotel room. <laughs> An entire cake. Like I, that's like, amazing. It's amazing. I'm telling you, the stuff is amazing. It's incredible. Ooh. What what is the what does the hotel uh, attendants think when you when you're walking in with a big cake? Yeah, they're like no outside food, no outside food allowed in the hotel. Get that out! But they all know. Like we, by now, they know we come back. Yeah, Nancy sometimes she she folds the stuff in like she's like uh, she's like well, like she'll take it and she'll fold it in like a paper towel and she put, and she'll put it in her pocket. What? Yeah, she she sometimes does that. I think she actually may have forgot. <laughs> she had it. She had it in her pocket. And like she showed up the next day and she was like, "Oh." And like if there it was. We're all like, "Is, there, is that is that from yesterday? Is it That's hilarious. Is it good?" Yeah. It's like we all do it. It's so good. I love hearing I love hearing all the behind the scenes. It's it's so fun. I mean, is there anything else like that goes on in that show behind the scenes that people would be surprised about? Oh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a comedy fest. Like in the, the makeup room is its own show. I mean, Jackie is, Always. She, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. She, she does her makeup and she's incredible. And it's like, it's, it's a comedy fest back there. Um, between people bringing family, it's really just like a, fa- a like a family gathering mm. feels like that. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And we're always bringing food for, for each other. Like we were in, we were in Knoxville. And I went and got a bunch of Gus's fried chicken. I, for me, oh, Gus's yeah. fried chicken is like one of the best fried chicken. It's some of the best fried chicken in America. And so like, I'll go buy a bunch of fried chicken and bring it and for everybody to eat. And then Duff, Duff, like he made, he made like this like chicken noodle soup. It was like a matzo ball soup, but mm. he just, he brought like vats of it. And wow. he, was, he like knocked on my door. He's like, here, dude. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like what? But you have this like this tub of like chicken noodle soup. So good. He's like, I just... I roast, I roast the F out of that bird. And so like, it's just like, it's just going to be so rich, gelatinous. Mm, it was yum. so good. And we were doing that all the time for each other. It's really, really great. I love that. Yeah. That's so, that's so cool. Well, we are so looking forward to the brand new season as we do every year. Um, and it's been so great catching up with you. Yeah. Uh, I wish we could keep going on forever, but I know you are busy and we are going to finish off with some rapid fire questions. And then we have one final question for you. Okay. Uh, all right, rapid fire round. Favorite tailgating foods? Uh, chicken wings. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. You have a rose to give to your favorite Food Network personality. Who gets oh, it? Oh, man. All right. I'm going to get well, now I'm going to get in trouble. But uh, I'd say, <laughs> I, I would say Nancy. OK, I she's mean, like my, I mean, she's like my we, partner in crime. She had my back yeah. back in the day when she was giving me she was letting me taste yeah. food. So she, she that's very it. fair. That's yeah. a very deserving rose back. to give up. Yeah, yeah, she's give, she's, you know, getting you all, all the treats before you yeah. were allowed to have them. <laughs> uh, one word to describe how your fantasy football league is doing. Amazing. Because I don't have one. <laughs> There you go. I don't That's have any secret. stress. Yeah, it's That's a secret. I yeah. know. <laughs> uh, rate your cooking skills on a scale of one to ten. Two point three. Really? <laughs> Pretty low. I'm an amazing orderer and taster of food, though. Okay. Okay. Well, on that note, favorite date night meal for you and your wife, Emily? Uh, Emily makes a uh, beef bourguignon. Uh, oh. So it's and it, and she, it's amazing, and she she makes the uh, the puree. It's not mashed potatoes. Like it's it's puree. It's like she yeah. uses the sieve and it, she grates the Yukon gold potatoes. There is so much butter and cream. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. But it is so good. Emily's. I, I got so lucky. I married an incredible cook, and and when she makes bourguignon, it is the great. It's the greatest. Oh wow, that sounds incredible. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, speaking every language. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's a good one. That's traveling. a good one. Like, wouldn't that yeah. be great? Like, I mean, that would be really not a super. I mean, you could do it. it. You would just have to be in school forever. But it's like yeah, if you could speak really, fluently every language. That would be incredible. That would be like make traveling so much more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> you could <laughs> just be. It would be awesome. Like it would. Like, there's nothing you couldn't do. I feel like if like you could communicate with everyone. I love that answer. I might have to steal that answer if anyone ever asked me that question. <laughs> what were you a good expecting? One. Like, what, what's the one we? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, flying, you know, like, yeah, travel. like, yeah, exactly. But like, I love that. Like, speak every language. That's really cool. That'd be good. Um, yeah, I love that. Uh, all right. How many times do you say the word "shocking" during a season of The Bachelor? <laughs> Seven hundred and eighty-seven. <laughs> Everything is shocking. On the shocking, bachelor. dramatic, dramatic, yeah. the and, most and dramatic. I should have said dramatic. Yeah, dramatic, shocking, and amazing. Those are the three. Yeah. Those are the three adjectives. Those are, those are the go-to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> good. All right, your desert island holiday dessert. Nanaimo bar. Okay, there you go. Yeah, we know, now we know the 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 secret of the the deliciousness that is the yeah. Nanaimo bar. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that leads into our last question. And that is what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So we want to hear the whole the whole day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. Okay. There are no rules. You can time travel, regular travel, spend as much money as you want. There's there's really no rules. Calories don't count either. Yeah. We just want to hear what your ideal breakfast, lunch, dinner and dessert would be. Oh, my God. What a question. Okay. Soft scrambled eggs with, with shaved truffle for breakfast. Mm, yeah. But like French style soft scramble, yeah. it's almost like soupy eggs. I actually like that. Uh, Not everybody does. One of my biggest too. pet peeves is like overcooked scrambled eggs. We're just overcooked That's eggs. That's how my, my boyfriend likes it. So I have to like take my eggs out of the pan for myself and then continue cooking it. Are you serious? He likes that? <laughs> like you'll he make an it omelet a little bit. and it's like he doesn't like. No, no. He doesn't like it overdone. Just like a little bit. Definitely doesn't like the soft scramble. But I okay. do. I, okay. I'm with you on See. that. I, I think if it's done correctly, it's really 
really you. velvety and lovely. Yeah. Great, great minds <laughs> think alike. Right. <laughs> so that would be, that would be breakfast for lunch. It would be like a pasta and it would probably be something indulgent, like a cacio e pepe or like, a, like a, carbonara maybe mm-hmm. just something really rich and creamy dinner it would be at zuma in london they have a black uh black wagyu wow um, yeah black wagyu tartare with black shaved truffle on top that that's like that that'd be like my if I, if I was if i was going on death row that would be my last meal okay and then and then probably an animal bar for for dessert <laughs> <laughs> Again, i love it but an i love bar. it every, yeah. when, in, when in doubt yeah <laughs> that's right exactly well, that sounds like a, a lovely food day and um, so great catching up with you. And again, congrats on all of your uh, successes. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. It's so great seeing you again. You can watch more of Jesse on Holiday Baking Championship Mondays at 8, 7 central on Food Network and streaming on Discovery+. Plus. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. 